You're listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm the Managing Director of Work Life Psych, and I'm your host, and I'm all alone because once again, due to a combination of travel schedules, uh, Pilar will not be with us for this episode. I'm going to record this before I travel to Dublin for some work and before I then take some holidays. And so rather than leave it for several weeks without any episode, I'm recording this. And through the magic of technology, this will go live fingers crossed, while I'm at 30,000 feet returning from a break in Singapore. So before you stop listening to this episode, um, there is an interview with an an excellent occupational psychologist a little later on. Um, I welcome back Paul Smith from Wise Amigo. You may remember Paul, he was on the uh, podcast quite some time ago, actually. So we've got a nice update from him. And we're going to be talking about the personal development at work meetup that he and I co-founded a few months ago. We're going to focus this episode again on productivity. We're nearly at the end of our series on the pillars of productivity. And this time the principle we'll be talking about is persistence. Um, And that's a good fit for the conversation that I had with Paul because the last of the meetups that we ran in London was about the problem of procrastination. And the principle of persistence is there to remind us to avoid that kind of um, unhelpful habit, that procrastinating habit that gets between us and doing the meaningful, important, and sometimes uncomfortable things that appear on our task list. And finally, before I move on to some news and updates, I just want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast, because March 2019, I don't know when you're listening to this, but March 2019 was our most successful month yet. So we had more listeners to the podcast than we've ever had before. I really want to thank everyone who takes the time to to download and listen to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. If there's anything we can do to make this better, more interesting, more relevant to you, please get in touch. You can send us a quick message via Twitter at mypocketpsych, or you can send us something a bit more extended, a bit more detailed via the contact form on the website. And that's worklifepsych.com forward slash contact. And now for some news. So in well-being news, I wanted to share uh, an article that I came across um, a little while ago. It's dated April 5th. It was reported online in HR Review. I'll put a link in the show notes. And it's by Dr. John O'Reilly, who is a sleep medicine specialist. And this article is really making the call for well-being programs in the workplace to include reference to sleep. Now, that's something that we've covered before on the podcast back in episode 18. And of course, it's a topic that comes up a lot in my coaching and my well-being sessions. It comes up regularly. Um, Many of the individuals I sit down with are themselves sleep deprived for a whole host of reasons, but it's worth exploring. Um, 
In this article, which I'd really suggest that everyone in L&D and in the well-being functions of organizations has a look at, uh, uh, John reports that 200,000 working days are lost each year in the UK due to insufficient sleep. And it's estimated to cost the UK economy over £30 billion a year, which is the equivalent to almost 2% of GDP. Obviously, this is a major issue. I'm just going to quote a little bit from the article just to underline the importance of sleep loss, sleep disturbance, poor sleep, etc. Less than five hours sleep is equivalent to being drunk with alcohol intoxication in a driving simulator. Sleep deprivation leads to cognitive impairment, poor work performance with impaired decision making, lack of innovation and creative thinking, fatigue and risk of accidents at work when driving. Major industrial and road accidents have frequently been attributed to lack of sleep. However, improved sleep leads to improved patients, better mood, improved relations with colleagues, and ability to concentrate for longer. Now, if you've ever had disturbed sleep, you'll probably identify with a number of those points. So I would argue that uh, while it can be difficult to improve the quality or the duration of our sleep or whether the odd night of impaired sleep is an issue or not, it's really worth thinking about including this topic in a well-being program because I think you can be fairly certain that a large number of the people coming on your program will be experiencing some kind of sleep disturbance. Now, on the theme of productivity, uh, just another plug for my event in Dublin. It's on May 14th at the Psychological Society of Ireland. I've been invited to, to give a presentation there on the topic of productivity. And what I'm actually going to do is run through, uh, in about 90 minutes or so, my Pillars of Productivity program. So I'm going to be walking through each of these principles that we've been talking about and discussing and reviewing over the last few episodes um, to explore how application of those principles can improve our productivity at work and our general satisfaction with life, if, if I'm really honest. So um, I'll be going through the principles that make the program work. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. It is a paid event, uh, but it's in Dublin, May 14th at the Psychological Society of Ireland offices. On the theme of effectiveness, I, I want to share um, a blog post that actually came out in February. I've only just come across it, and it's from David D'Souza um, from the CIPD. And it's a really nice article that explores this concept of thought-terminating cliches. So I'm going to quote from his article to explain what that is, but I'm pretty confident you'll identify with a number of these. A thought-terminating cliché is a commonly used phrase, sometimes passing as folk wisdom, used to end cognitive dissonance, which is discomfort experienced when one simultaneously holds two or more conflicting cognitions, ideas, beliefs, values, or emotional reactions. Though the phrase in and of itself may be valid in certain contexts, its application as a means of dismissing dissent or justifying fallacious logic is what makes it thought terminating. It basically tries to stop an argument from proceeding further. And some of the examples that David gives in his blog post got me thinking how often I hear these as a way of ending discussion about something that might be a bit sensitive or a bit difficult. So, it is what it is. We are where we are. It's common sense. We've already had this conversation and it's all relative. Now, I can put my hand up right now and say, I've said a number of these. 
possibly all of these, in discussions where it was all getting a bit complicated or I wanted to move things on or I thought it was a bit of a distraction. And actually, by using these phrases, what we're doing is shutting down the conversation and maybe colluding that we don't want to go any further. So I'll put a link uh, to his post in, in the show notes. I'd really encourage you to have a read of that. It's, it's entertaining. His blog is always entertaining and thought-provoking, but I thought that was a really nice example of something that we could look out for and maybe challenge when we hear it, um, when, we, when we come across that in the workplace. So let's move on to this concept of persistence. For new listeners, just to put this in context, we've been running through a series that um, is a set of principles that I use in coaching and in training programs to support people's productivity. And I call them the pillars of productivity. The notion here being the more of these principles that you can put into practice, like pillars, they'll hold up the roof. They'll hold up something meaningful. The more of the principles you can live, put into practice in your own way, the more productive you'll feel. And so this time around, we're going to look at the one I term persistence. This is about keeping going when things get tough. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it could be the small annoyances that we experience on a daily basis or the larger, more significant setbacks and problems that we face at work. And we can have a tendency to either give up or go in a different direction when we encounter these difficulties, when we encounter these setbacks. And so a lot of that can take the form of discomfort, psychological discomfort as opposed to physical discomfort. And that can take many forms. And it's worthwhile getting familiar with both how and when we experience this discomfort, because it can help us understand why and when we stop, we give up, we move on to other things. So discomfort could take the form of boredom. It could take the form of frustration, um, dislike of the ambiguity about the future. It could take the form of shame or guilt or how we feel when we're challenged or we get feedback we don't like the sound of. All of those things um, pretty much we're hardwired to want to avoid. And so when we look at our task list, for example, and we see things that we associate with discomfort or we feel discomfort because we can imagine how it will feel to do these things, we may have a tendency to put them off, push them into the future. And if that's about something meaningful and there's going to be consequences and we're doing this irrationally, not for a good reason, well, that's procrastination. And this uh, principle of persistence is all about avoiding procrastination on the one hand and keeping going when we encounter a setback or discomfort on the other. So it's about keeping going, keeping the momentum up. Now, discomfort, I would argue, sits at the very root of most forms of procrastination. We're telling ourselves another time is better. Um, this is a very subjective experience. So there's no list I can provide of situations where you will procrastinate. I think it's fair to say everyone, myself included, um, everyone has procrastinated at one time or another. The differences are the seriousness uh, of that, that procrastination has, the impact it has on our productivity, uh, how frequently we do it, what the consequences are. But it's worthwhile thinking about when we stop persisting. When do we stop? Now, being pragmatic and flexible is also an element of this framework that I try and teach people. 
But often we don't persist when keeping going would be advantageous, when it's the helpful thing to do. So what would applying this principle really look like? I would argue that if you feel discomfort about a task when you've started it or even before you've started it, it's good to ask yourself why you're feeling this discomfort and whether stopping or continuing will get you a better result. I'm not going to go down the path of do this, do that, it's bad or it's good, but persisting may be helpful. Pausing might be helpful as well, but rather than going with a gut response, I would argue it's good to ask yourself, if I stop now because of this discomfort, is this going to help me? Is this going to hinder me? Developing our self-awareness. That's a topic we talked about in episode 37, um, which supports the principle of perspectives. That can help us spot what we call the stories we tell ourselves to avoid discomfort. What is it we're saying to ourselves that sounds like a good story, sounds like a good rationale, but actually if we said it out loud, someone close to us might disagree and suggest that we just bite the bullet and keep going. We can also identify any tendency to say to ourselves, I can't stand this. This is something I cannot put up with. And arguably, there's lots of times when we could stand this. We're talking about standing the psychological discomfort, the boredom, the frustration, the FOMO. We're missing out on something else, much more interesting, much more exciting or enjoyable elsewhere. So watching out for um, the stories we tell ourselves and a tendency to say, I can't stand this. And that gives us the opportunity to ask ourselves, could I? Could I stand this? Could I keep going? And again, if I keep going, will that help me? What are the positives of this? We also examined the principle of purpose back in episode 32. Now, hopefully, by cross-referencing these, you can see that these principles also support each other. They're not separate skills, if you like, but they combine to make productivity easier for us. So if you've spent time clarifying purpose, then you'll know what's important to you. You'll know more about your values and how you can apply them. You'll know about the bigger picture, about what you're trying to achieve and why you want to be more productive, the wins you're going to get from this. So then you can work on using your values to guide these decisions and not use these feelings of discomfort to tell you it's time to stop or even don't start this. So putting our values into practice here is echoing what we've spoken about before when it comes to the concept the skill set of psychological flexibility. Persistence is keeping going despite the discomfort in the pursuit of something meaningful. Now, if you find that interesting, if you find that challenging, if you find that all a bit complex, it might be a good idea to go back and listen to those other episodes, 32 and 37. And if you like, you can go all the way back to our discussions around psychological flexibility, where we've looked at that in a lot more detail, including clarification of values and uh, putting those values into practice on a more regular basis and not just waiting for those big crises that we have in life from time to time. What I'd like to do now is move on to our interview with Paul Smith. Uh, Paul is the founder of Wise Amigo, which is a great online uh, system and app for identifying your development areas, keeping track of them, 
working on them and getting feedback from others. So I've said it before, I'm a fan of the app. Um, we work closely together. We're, we, we've set up the personal development at work meetup in London. Uh, he's a great guy. So it, it made sense after doing our last meetup, which was all about procrastination, to invite him back on to talk a little bit about what's been going on at Wise Amigo. Uh, what his approach to productivity is and um, what we've been doing with the personal development at work meetup. And I think this is a really good fit because, as I've said, this notion of discomfort and a tendency to not persist in the face of discomfort is really at the root of a lot of our procrastination. And we had a great discussion with the people who turned up for the last meetup, uh, members of our meetup community, with lots of openness, lots of sharing of examples of procrastination. But we went beyond that to try and identify the root cause, how it manifested, and what they might do about that. Because there is no I'll say it again, there is no one size fits all when it comes to making changes around these things, uh, but there are lots and lots of different things we can try, we can experiment with. So I hope you find my discussion with Paul interesting. Uh, you can find out more about him at wiseamigo.com and I'll put a link to him in the show notes as well as to the personal development at work meetup. Probably by the time you're listening to this, we'll have had our next meetup, which is uh, all about building resilience. So after looking at goal setting, after looking at um, uh, the procrastination, uh, we're, we're looking at how to identify and boost the factors of resilience. So I'll leave it there for now. Thank you so much for listening and uh, look forward to hearing your feedback about this episode. And uh, until next time, thank you. Okay, so um, I am delighted to be once again joined by Paul Smith from Wise Amigo. Paul, it, it's great to have you on the podcast again. How are you? Hello, Richard. I'm really well, thank you. Uh, it's great to be on the podcast. Really excited. How now, are you? I'm very well. If, if Pilar was with me right now, she would know exactly the number of the episode when you were on the last time. I don't have that to hand, but I know it's been a while <laughs> since we spoke. So, um, listen, for... for you never know when when someone is listening to these episodes, if it's the first one, if they've listened to every single one. So remind us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about Wise Amigo. Yeah, sure. So um, by trade, I'm an occupational psychologist. Uh, but right now, and maybe more importantly, I'm founder of Wise Amigo, uh, which is a platform to help people uh, structure and take control of their development at work. So I can say a little bit more about that it's uh, it's yeah. an app and a platform um, where you can just do do some things that really help you to focus and bring to life your development uh, so whether that is just thinking about setting some goals or capturing your thoughts uh, reflecting on your growth or doing some very specific things like asking people for feedback or going to find some interesting videos or articles on a particular area you're interested in Super. So, I mean, I've, I've used the app. I've used the platform. Um, my main takeaway from the whole experience is, is that it moves development from thoughts in your head to something you can interact with, be that notes or, or multimedia or feedback. And, uh, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, that's not the only reason I have, <laughs> I've asked you to come back, but, um, I think it's a, a really neat little tool. So if people are interested in learning more about Wise Amigo, where could they go? Uh, the most obvious place is wiseamigo.com. 
Uh, and from there, you can either log into our brand new uh, web app uh, or you can download the iPhone app whichever is your uh, particular uh, poison um, but we've got we've got both parties and uh, really great that you're you, you're saying that it takes it from uh, thoughts into sort of you know words and actions and that's exactly what we're trying to do because in the past so many people that I've worked with have always been interested in their development it's always been something that they really want to do but then the you know working life or, or just why the life takes over mm. and our development goes to the back of our mind so the main thing that we want to do with wise amigo is to keep development front of mind and that's by uh, putting it into words and actions and regularly thinking about it so it's great that you say that so thank you. i think that regular bit is is really important i know yeah. in my own experience in coaching uh when uh, a coachee is thinking about their development needs frequently I'll ask them about what came up in their last development planning meeting with their manager and they really haven't thought about it since the meeting and they're a bit stretched to even find the notes or the outputs because they think of it as an event and what I try and encourage people to do is think of their development as an ongoing process and to do that you need to keep going back to it and see what have I done where am I now. Exactly. Um, I, you know, as someone who should be able to do this uh, quite well, <laughs> given that we're, we're we're working in the in the area and on the subject, I can remember my own uh, meetings with my manager, who who was a fantastic manager. But we had, uh, you know, good discussion, and then I'd go away and probably wouldn't look at my notes that I'd mm-hmm. taken until the thirty minutes before the next monthly mm-hmm. discussion. <laughs> so it's about realizing that it's more fluid than that. It's ongoing. Um, that, that's what it's really all about. Yeah. And, and I, I can identify with that. I know I've been guilty of that in the past when I had a manager. So life is a bit different uh, for the past few years. But I know I also fell into the trap of really focusing on the areas that I was interested in and not yep. all of the development areas. So one of the things that I've noticed about using Wise Amigo is that it all seems interesting. You know, if you, if you select some of these areas, the way they're phrased, the, the resources you, you can find, as long as you're being honest with yourself and identifying them in the first place, there's quite a lot you can use in there. There's quite a lot you can do with it. And so you're yeah. not left to your own devices to think about, you know, what to do. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, for, for people, it can often be hard to think about what they want to do. So it's great if they have someone. Uh, who they can talk to and maybe explore very specific things that they either know they should do or other people bring it uh, up that they should maybe focus on. Mm. But so often uh, it can be hard for people to to even ponder where to start. So a bit of Wise Amigo is just about gently making suggestions here and there. So whether that be through the newsfeed, you know, browsing topics and things like that, to get some inspiration um, or once you start to think okay I want to work on something we've got a, you know, a little bit of help to guide people as to either what other people might be working on what's popular um, or what they might want to do once they start for example typing presenting you know where mm-hmm. you could take that there's then a bit of a structure that then builds up uh, some some more thoughts for them to, to ponder. 
And, you know, that content is really useful um, in, in any platform that can give you jumping off points and resources that takes productivity. Uh, sorry, uh, development. Uh, you can tell what's front of mind for me at the moment. Uh, that takes development from, you know, be more X to actually there's quite a few things that you could do to increase your comfort level with this or develop your skills with this. And uh, it, it makes all of the uh, goals more, more actionable, basically. Yeah, and there's many different ways to start or to tackle your development. It's different for you know for, for each and every one of us. So mm. um, we we try and put different tools and there, different ways in which you can engage with it, so that you find your own sweet spot that might work for you, not for someone else, but uh, you get out of it what you really need. And you know, again, I think that's a great point with with the tool because it doesn't say this is the wise amigo way. To exactly. develop this, no right, wrong yeah, way to go. Exactly, there's lots of resources you can choose from and, and pursue your own goals in in a way that you think works for you. And you mentioned uh, getting onto the system via the browser. Is it that that sounds like that's one of the newer things that you've introduced since we last spoke? It is, and it's a massive step forward for us. So we built our original platform in uh, iOS for iPhone, um, and just earlier on this year. February time, we launched the web app, which means you can access it from any browser. So no more um, are we unable to answer, oh, well, I'm not on iPhone. What can I do? Mm -hmm. So anyone can go to it from mobile uh, or any sort of uh, any desktop browser. So you can access it on everything. And it's a really great step forward for us. I, I think it's super that you can do that now because for some things, it's great on your phone. Uh, for, for other things where there's maybe a bit more reading to be done or you simply want to write more, you yeah. can feel more comfortable getting down in front of a, a hard keyboard and a bigger screen and uh, exactly. putting that stuff in. Exactly. And we had a number of people say, I like to think about the initial points on a big screen and then pick up my development on the go once I've got the ideas into the app, if that makes sense. So mm, mm. you can uh, you can get started now on the browser. And then, you know, if you're on your, your tube on the way in, if you're, if you're commuting in London or any anywhere, you can pick up the app and uh, everything's in there ready where you left it on the browser. Um, and the other thing is that we do have people who want to share uh, what they're working on. And that's, that's quite hard on an app. Mm. Um, it's better to have it on a big screen if you want to sit down with, you know, a manager or a trusted advisor and say, this is what I've got going on. That's a lot easier now. Brilliant. And th that point about having it on the go with you, I think, speaks to my earlier point about people not being able to find their development plan or even remember what's on there. If you have this yeah. in your pocket all the time, you're, you're less likely to fall into that trap, I would imagine. Yeah, that's personally for me, the best feedback that we do get and have ever had is when someone says to us, uh, oh, I use it on the way into work in the morning because it means that, you know, that 30 minutes or whatever it is, uh, is, is precious time for a person. If they're using our app, that's fantastic. And mm. they're setting themselves up for the day thinking about what have I got coming up in terms of opportunities to stretch myself or develop um, or just reflecting on the day ahead. That's, that's really good. Or even just reading an article, you know, ahead of something that they've got coming up and they want to be better at that really is uh, what we want to hear so basically what you're saying is you and i are in competition for commuters time that precious time uh, you want them to be using wise amigo i want them to be listening to this podcast but who knows the podcast could be a form of development for some people <laughs> So, Paul, this 
latest episode of My Pocket Psych is part of a series where we're looking at the topic of productivity and we're looking at it from a number of different uh, viewpoints, number of different perspectives. But, but quite simply, from your perspective, what does productivity mean to you? Okay. Um, in a nutshell, it just means getting stuff done. That is the right kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you know, in a kind of timely manner as well. Hmm. Uh, it's it's a very interesting topic for me. It always has been because it's something I've had to really work on. And as it happens, it's one of my spotlights on Wise Amigo. So it's one of the things that I'm continuously working uh, on. One of the areas that you're focused on. It, exactly, yeah. And for me, if I can split it into to two clear um, areas of focus, for me, it's, it's when I'm on a task, uh, how am I at my most productive, you know, focused on a task so I can get it done uh, in the right amount of time and to a good level of quality and then look at more broadly it's how do I manage you know the day or the week and how do I avoid um, maybe uh, wasted time or just <laughs> looking back on a f- couple of hours and thinking what have I been doing mm. so th- so there's a couple of broad focuses for me um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And what works well for you? What helps you, do you think, be more productive? Uh, on the task, just getting into it, just starting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, for, for, for me, if I can admit that I'm a bit of a perfectionist sometimes, so I like to set up um, and, and do things like formatting documents and um, all the nice things before really getting into a difficult task. But that is just a form of procrastination. So really, I just need to get started. <laughs> I just need to get into what it is that I'm, I'm doing, write some words um, and, and, and feel after 30 minutes that I'm, I'm starting to make progress. So that, that for me is, is, is the main one, getting started. And that self-awareness that you've just demonstrated there, you know, the tendency to focus on the look and feel of something is a signal to crack on and make some progress with it. Um, now, you, you lead very neatly into the next thing that we, we were going to talk about, which is uh, our personal development at work meetup that we um, yeah, co-founded yeah. A, a few months back. Now, we last time. Uh, so far, we've we've looked at uh, goal setting at the meetup, and and last time we looked at procrastination. So that topic of you know getting into busy detail rather than making progress is one of those things that can be a sign of procrastination. Um, what did you think of that that last meetup, that last conversation? What were your main takeaways about procrastination? I think the main thing was the variety of ways in which people can procrastinate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we had a great discussion with the group there, but everyone had a different uh, maybe driver for their procrastination Mm. and very different examples of how it manifests for them. So that was was really good. I I, I absolutely agree because... Just by asking people and maybe pointing out there are some different ways, we got lots of examples and it prompted people to think that there are many routes to procrastination, many causes uh, and many ways in which it's obvious to them as an individual. But yet not everyone had the same experience. So I thought that was quite good. People sharing their experience and showing um, the, the variety of ways that they experience it. And everybody in the room, you and I included, uh, could share examples of this. So it does seem to be part of the human experience, right? Definitely. And I think the other thing was how aware people are that they 
procrastinate. So this is not something that creeps up on us and we're um, unable to recognize it. People would describe in examples where they're in the moment realizing that they're doing it, but they, nevertheless, they continue to do it. Mm. And that's often because what we're doing does give us a sense of accomplishment, even though it's not maybe the thing we could or should be doing. So it might be, as you say, um, spending a lot of time on the formatting of a document that we haven't really written yet, or it could be those examples that people have shared about tidying up before beginning an unpleasant task or an unwanted task. There is a sense of I'm doing something. And there's also the relief of I've decided to push this into the future and that feels good. So we did explore some of the uh, so-called upsides of procrastination. There's a reason we do it. It's usually to deal with some level of discomfort. We're, we're pushing the, the task away from us in some way and we're, we're not sitting there not doing anything. We're doing something else instead. So we fool ourselves into thinking there's an element of being productive. There's an element of progress. There is. It's just not in the right direction. That's it. So we can have some short term levels of satisfaction um, or small tasks being completed, like the washing or the dishwasher being emptied or so on. But uh, while they can feel quite good in the moment, they detract from bigger, more important goals. Uh, and that's the danger. And you, you can finish the day having done a lot of stuff, but it's not the right stuff maybe or it's not as uh, you haven't made as much progress on those things so the the procrastination isn't about sitting there in silence and inactivity it's about identifying where could I have put my focus a bit better today what what should I have been doing I was doing stuff wasn't necessarily the right stuff and based on the conversation we had with people in the room what stories was um were going around in my mind? What was I telling myself that maybe a third party wouldn't necessarily agree with if I said them out loud? We're very good at convincing ourselves of the validity of these decisions, but maybe someone else might suggest we could just crack on with the task in hand. Yeah, I I like the idea of um, uh, talking, uh, not talking to yourself, but uh, self-talk and talking out loud about you know, what, what you're really focusing on. So you can quickly lose an hour by answering some emails that maybe don't need to be answered right away or browsing social media. But if you, you know, told yourself what you've just done or what you're about to do for the next hour, you'd mm. probably say uh, much more quickly, no, this is not a sensible thing to do. Um, but because maybe we don't look at it, uh, we just uh, take the, the, the quick um, boost, the, the the positive feeling that we're actually doing something on our day is 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 um, you know we're getting through it in the right kind of way. Mm. Uh, we we don't get to those more difficult or f- tasks that we're fearful of or just daunting tasks, whatever it is. Um, yeah, there's so many different reasons, but so many different stories from the people that were at the group. It's fantastic, and I think each and every one uh, felt a bit better by just seeing that other people were experiencing. Uh, procrastination, albeit in different ways, but nevertheless, mm. it was it was hurting them in in the same way, um, and they were a bit motivated, I think, to go away and put some of the actions in place that we explored as well. Yes, exactly, and that's one of the things we really want to do with this group. So, um, you know, a meetup is not supposed to be a lecture. Uh, normally, uh, we don't want these uh, meetings to be to be a lecture from from us, but rather an ongoing discussion. And I was delighted at the amount of discussion 
that there was in the room and the amount of questions that we got about this and how people seemed keen, as you say, to leave and take action on their own experience. So what we didn't want to do is say, here are the three things everyone must do, but rather here's about nine or 10 ways that you could address your procrastination based on how it manifests. What are you willing to give a go uh, between now and the next time we, we meet at the, at the next meetup? Exactly. Personal actions that they can take that relates to their situation and, and why they procrastinate. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next meetup where hopefully people will be sharing how they got on with those. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because, uh, you know, it's part of the development experience. When you work as a professional with people who are developing, one of the most rewarding things is to see people put stuff into action, benefit from that, and then be keen to do more. So I hope we have some of that. I hope we have some of that at the, uh, at the next meetup. From a, from a wise amigo perspective, is, is productivity or, or things like procrastination, are these uh, popular topics that people are working on? Do you have visibility of that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm working on it myself, uh, <laughs> and it's uh, it, both on on the Wise Amigo app. You can you could quickly find you know productivity, for example, as a topic that you could then uh, take up on your own. But we also have users who enter their own uh, kind of language or terms for procrastination or for productivity. Um, so they might just say, "I want to be better um, managing my day" or something else. Mm. Um, but once we get into it. Uh, they're, they're often trying to do quite specific things. Like one, one of the uh, things that I've seen people doing is, is protecting their time through, uh, through their day. So for example, yeah. having shorter meetings, um, you know, 45 minute meetings rather than one hour and not back to back meetings and things like that. Yeah. So they don't feel like they're chasing their tail if they're in the office all day. Um, it's less, if I'm reflecting now, it's probably we, we see more people on the platform talking about productivity and, and referencing the workplace rather than myself. If I'm thinking about how I manage my day, it might be uh, sometime the blaring of work and life. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. just noticing that the, yeah, the dishwasher example or, or the washing machine or something like that. Um, yeah. It's much more about people doing things like say no to people and pushing back and, uh, having uh, shorter meetings, things like that, that we mm. we see actions that people are actually um, taking up. And when I say taking up, what what I mean is we we have a variety of actions that people can say, yeah, I'll have a bit of that, and I'll try that out. And and these are the ones that people are taking up under the categories of productivity or their own spotlights such as I want to manage my day better. Mm -hmm. I, I think we can get acutely aware of some of the aspects of productivity as a topic when we realize just how finite our time is. And so when we're feeling yeah. that time is running away and we're, we're not getting stuff done or we're feeling that pressure that's based on time, it can make us really aware of that. What I encourage people to do is also consider how much attention they have, how much mental energy they can spread uh, across their day and the, the tasks that require that and how much physical energy they have as well. So balancing and focusing on those three uh, finite resources is really at the fundamental level um, of, of productivity. It's less, I would argue, about very specific methodologies and more, <clears throat> am I able to spread these resources across the working day and week in a way that 
benefits me and helps me be the you know best person I can be at work with in a sustainable way so that I don't come home kind of slightly broken every day yeah. because yeah. of the habits that I've picked up. And the, the word finite is, is so important. A lot of us just need to think about okay, we've we've only got so much time and we are probably trying to do too, too much, whether it's work or play or any aspect of our life. And I was just listening to one of the podcasts on HBR recently. There's a bit of research to say that people who are more effective in outsourcing aspects of their life um, are reporting more uh, great, stronger levels of happiness as well. So it's mm. it's directly related to you know how you how you use your time can have a, an impact on on happiness so things like uh administrative tasks or or life um tasks chores for example um if you can i won't say not do them but replace them and and fill that time with more positive activities uh or or occasionally do that people report being generally more happy so That's interesting. i think yeah, I think there's something about admitting that we can't do everything and oh, yes. then being selective with what we can do. And whether that's in the workplace and just protecting our time or whether it's in our wider life, choosing how we really want to use our time. Absolutely. Time is everything, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. And, I mean, that can be quite a dark thought. <laughs> yeah. I've got, you know, finite time on this planet, but also, you know, I've got finite time today before actually I start to feel too tired to be effective. So what do I want to do with that energy? What do I want to do with that time? And I, I really like that point you're making about whole life perspective, because you, you are a person in and out of work and there are things you want to do and achieve in and out of work. And if there's bits of you know nonsense that you do want to get done, but it doesn't need to be you, you know, outsourcing, delegating, um, uh, automating those things yeah. can be a great way to free up some time and, and energy to focus on the stuff that is meaningful or impactful uh, in your life. Exactly. Spending time with the, the friends, the family, um, you know, the, the time that you you really want to look back on and the memories that you want to create uh, versus some of the things that maybe we, we know in the moment, this is not how I should be spending my time. No, do, do I want to go to my grave saying, I'm so happy I had an empty email inbox exactly, <laughs> or that I had some meaningful relationships and achieved some markers, um, some goals I'd set in, in my life. So, you know, this is one of the challenges we have, isn't it? When we talk about productivity, because it's such a huge umbrella term and it means very different things to different people. But if I think back to the pillars of productivity, these principles that we've been walking through on the podcast and I've been writing about, you know, if you have meaning and a sense of purpose, if you're able to prioritize where this limited time, <clears throat> excuse me, attention and energy can go, and if you're able to then separate things according to levels of importance and, and get some real clarity in your life, then you can make good decisions. You still have to deal with our innate um, dislike of discomfort, which is where this principle I've, I've called persistence comes in. That's either persisting in the face of difficulty, setbacks, challenges, or persistence in the face of discomfort. And that really links neatly to both this overarching topic of productivity, but also the procrastination, because so much of that procrastination is about psychological discomfort. It's not about pain. It's not about, um, you know, physical effort. It's about things like boredom or just not yeah. liking 
the task or imagining how we could be happier if we were doing something else? It's so complicated. Uh, <laughs> and you mentioned you know, three different ways in which it can affect us. Their boredom uh, may affect one person uh, in, a, in a completely different way to, to another. And I think that it, it's so important to take the time out to build self-awareness about how productive we are, how procrastination fits in, how persistent we are, or when we, you know, when we're more likely to persist and less likely to persist. Because we don't teach this at school. We don't draw attention to it at work. Um, we're just kind of expected to have output, but without really thinking about how we uh, better manage ourselves to be productive to to achieve that output. So, you know, the message for anybody out there is is to really set the time aside to, and I know that's a challenge in itself, but really set the time aside to explore how we can, you know, think in a better way about all of this, and that is referenced in our last uh, episode, episode 37, when we looked at the um, principle of perspectives, um, self-awareness and awareness of others. Because if we simply uh, copy someone's method for being productive, if we simply assume that everyone thinks the way that we do or that our way of working is better than everyone else's, we'll fall into um, several of many interpersonal traps that are out there so i really would underline that you know taking the time to consider what what is it about you your personality your drives your values all that stuff how does that impact your let's say natural approach to work uh your comfort zone and where might it be useful for you and for other people to step out of that comfort zone um and experience the discomfort that we don't like but can be really useful for us yeah, and it's going to take time, isn't it, to understand this? It's it's not something you get immediate answers from. So I, I would, you know, recommend anyone to say let's let's commit to a, maybe you know, six months or longer, just to start thinking about this and to start journaling your thoughts. And I'm bound to say that because of Isaac Ego, but <laughs> I think I think getting to the end of that six months and being able to look back and say, okay, here's how it's gone. This is what I've done. And to see tangible evidence of how it's gone uh, will help you reach a heightened level of self-awareness compared to just saying, OK, now I'll put a focus on this and I'll occasionally think about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it. I think you really need to build a portfolio of um, experiences of the difficulty um, journaling uh, each and every uh, kind of situation where you think, you know, I've done this well, maybe I could do that better. And then look back on it as a project uh, and evaluate it, you know, as you would a project in work, hopefully. And that came through in the meetup discussion about what people were willing to try going forward. And one of the things I remember we discussed was people getting quite specific about their workload and looking out for maybe accidental mixing up of product uh, projects and tasks. So if your to-do list for the day consists of a bunch of really big meaty projects, that can be you know quite, quite overwhelming. And, and where do I start with that? Whereas if you can refine those into manageable tasks, then you can see the progress that you're you're making. And some people liked that idea and others thought, you know what, in my job that that doesn't really apply. I'm going to need to try something else. And I was delighted to hear that because I wouldn't want someone leaving the room thinking, oh, there's only one way to deal with this and I don't think it yeah. works for me or I better do it because someone has told me about it and look, it doesn't work for me. And so this notion of trying it out, reflecting, 
keep doing it if it works. If it doesn't, you try something else, but you're reflecting and noting and reflecting and noting as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. And that flies in the face of a lot of what we can read online and in books, which is simply do this and it will be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you know that it's, it's about iterating and learning and refining over time and sharing your ideas with other people, but finding out just exactly how, how productive we are, how procrastination affects us over time. Yeah. If you, if you listen to what's out there in, in a lot of online locations, it's a, it's a list of five things to do. Um, starting with getting up at 4am and then you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a billionaire, but, uh, I haven't got yeah. three hours in the morning to, to drink, um, uh, wheat grass and, and meditate and uh, write in my leather journal. But yes, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we talk all, all the time uh, about the, um, you know, the, the one size fits all solution is in itself not, not going to work. Um, and, you know, when we talk about our journey, um, on these things, you know, you make an excellent point, which is to be able to look back and see where we were can be really motivating. However, what we need to do is make a note of that along the way because our memories yeah. are, are just not good enough to be able to accurately and objectively see our journey. And this notion of persistence against discomfort or persistence in the face of challenge is so important for those development journeys because if you yourself can't see a change in you, um, it may be because you haven't made made a note of that journey where you haven't got feedback from others who would be able to say, oh yeah, you've really come on in this area. Or, you know, you, you're expecting big changes after a very short period of time. A most meaningful change, uh, if we want to change our behavior, can take a while to manifest um, in terms of the benefits. Yes. Um, it, it, we need to have a stretch. We need to understand that things are going to be often uh, quite difficult in order for us to, to get past that and see progress. Uh, often we can't see it, other people see it as well, So, which is why I need to have a, a constant conversation with, with people. Mm. Uh, and it, it, it will take time. Uh, and that's often the thing that I think puts people off thinking about their development is that oh, it, seems, it seems like something uh, so big, uh, potentially so ambiguous or complex that maybe I'll just think about it next week instead. Oh, it's very uh, easy to think about yeah. it next week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, when the irony is it's, it's probably the most important thing uh, in determining either happiness or success in, in other parts of our life. So as with all you know, the, the things in our life, if it's important, we should make time for it. Uh, that's, that's certainly my, my philosophy. And yeah, just to go back to what you said about email, for example, that is something that just is kind of emblematic of, of things that get in the way every day, every hour, that can be quite trivial compared to the, the bigger picture for us, uh, but nevertheless take priority for us. Uh, so it's about just stepping back, getting perspective, and, and really thinking about what's important and, and then committing to, to the, the the long term, uh, like like any business would have a strategy, uh, you know, no business could operate running just day to day. Um, they, there needs to be a long term focus, and your development uh, needs exactly the same. I think that's an excellent point. We can very easily fall into the trap of living day to day, you know, surviving work one day at a time, and maybe 
we get reminded periodically to look ahead a few months. But actually, unless we're forced to do that, it can be a bit of a chore or it can be a bit worrying because of the ambiguity ahead of us, or it can feel a bit uncomfortable because we've realized I haven't done this properly for a long time. But getting your head out of the detail and looking a few months in advance, maybe even thinking career-wise, the direction you're going. I mean, I've lost count of the number of people I've had career conversations with where they say, well, I didn't intend to end up here. I sort of, one day I realized, oh, this is what I do for a living. This wasn't my plan. But if they think about it, they didn't really have a plan. They sort of ended yeah. up. And for some people, it's a happy coincidence and they are delighted. For others, it's a case of if I had my time over, there's many things I would do differently. I would always say, well, you've, you've got time left. You know, what will you do differently from this point on? But that does take planning. That does take reflection. It does take getting it out of your head, uh, making something concrete of it. It's either in a notebook, it's in an app like Wise Amigo, it's in a, a, a spreadsheet, but you're doing something with it. You're setting goals, you're working towards them, you're reflecting on how that journey feels um, so that you can either amend the goals or identify your wins along the way and feel, feel good about it. But I, I suppose what we're underlining here is the work, the effort required to go into your development can be off-putting, but it's so necessary and you get a great win at the end of that. Yeah, and it's such a rich journey, uh, lots of twists and turns and constant iterating. So I did a blog post a while back now, which was rather than having a, a plan uh, as to where you want to get to, just have a constant sort of plan to get to the plan. Um, okay. So you're, you're constantly iterating it and, and you know, sort of taking stock at set points um, and adjusting and, and moving forward because I think everybody's plan just just keeps going, keeps evolving. Um, it's not as simple as, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up um, and yeah. use it? You know, <laughs> keep reading those uh, five bullet emails in the morning and it will all happen. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that and you might end up. And we don't, I think, wake up one day and say, I am now developed. <laughs> it's an ongoing um, area for us to, to pay attention to if for no other reason than the world around us changes and you know what got us here isn't going to get us to the next stage or through the next challenge neither do we wake up and go I am now productive because of the way I think for, for so many of us our work is quite dynamic the environment around us is changing that how we need to deal with that needs to be you know fairly fluid so that we can answer you know, the, the, the question you sort of um, posed earlier is, am I doing the right stuff? Uh, am I doing it in the right way? That's the question that sh we should be reflecting on rather than, I would argue, have I got an empty email inbox or have I done X hours on a particular task? Yeah, and I would say that the future of work is absolutely demanding people to think harder about this. So... In the past, for example, globalization was the maybe the threat for the uh, you think about the UK worker um, where jobs were going abroad or or whatever. Whereas uh, for for sort of you know lower um, sort of salaried uh, work nowadays, there's so many more threats. Um, uh, whether it be automation or the fact that in a couple of years the U.S. economy is expected to be uh, supported by 50% freelancers. Um, the world is just completely changing. So more than ever, it's up to us 
to lead our development rather than expect things to happen in work. Uh, the landscape's just completely changing as it, as it always has been the last sort of 50 years in the, the world of work and will continue to do so. More complexity, more ambiguity, more demand. You know, love to, uh, I'm positive within that as well. There's, there's mm. more opportunity. Um, but if we don't really take the time out to think about these big topics like productivity, procrastination, um, our values, how, do, how does all of this align to make us feel like we're being effective being better at work um we we could struggle um mm. and that's what you know you and i and, and many others spend our time doing is just trying to sort of help people uh, on that journey and you know it's one of the reasons isn't it that we set up this personal development at work meetup that for so many people yeah. their development needs aren't being met in the workplace yeah. Yeah. or their job is such that no one's asking them about their own development because they are a freelancer self-employed whatever that might be uh and and you know you and i have a, a shared experience there in terms of uh there's not necessarily a manager sitting us down every quarter and saying let me see your progress towards your goals and actually it would be very easy for both of us to fall into the trap of looking at maybe some lopsided goals that would maybe be mm -hmm. financial metrics uh rather rather than the, the broader reason we do what we do. Um, and I know from my perspective, I didn't start what I'm doing, you know, four and a half years ago, simply to work 100 hours a week or uh, earn X, you know, pounds a year, but more a case of, am I enjoying this? Does it give me a sense of fulfillment? Am I continuing to learn? You know, am I doing more of the things I enjoy doing? And that takes reflection. That's not tick the box stuff. But it's so easy, I think, given those changes that you've outlined in the, in the workplace, and I think, yes, we'll continue to see them, given those kinds of changes, more and more of us own our own development. And I know that's a theme, even in, you know, large corporate environments where there's a lot of support for ongoing learning and development, the ethos is often these days one about individuals owning that journey and not being given a map and here is what you're going to do. Yeah. But there's many resources for you, but you own your developmental journey. Absolutely. And I think from the meetup and just my experience more widely, newer entrants to the workforce, I, I do believe they are more long-term focused and, and see how their development is. Uh, it's not just important for the current job. So they either you know, mm. sink or swim, but it's, it's really about thinking long-term. How do you... Um, build different skills to get to the, the third or fourth job or whether the aim is to eventually work for themselves, whether the aim is to do something that is, um, it's not just about the money, it's about real life and work enjoyment. I, I think people have just a very much more focused on that, particularly newer entrants to the, to the workplace. And it's interesting what you say about, um, what help people might get in the workplace. We did a, uh, I was going to say research, but it's more a, a, a polling of users uh, around how much their managers help them mm. uh, to develop. And, and it was basically a flick of a coin. So 50% of our poll said, my manager helps me and is effective in doing, uh, helping me with my development. And the other said, um, they're, they're ineffective in helping me. So it's, it's real you know, it's chance just whether you get a manager who can who can help you or not. Well, according to our user base, yeah. Um, and and most organisations want their people to take charge of their own development. I would question whether organisations are doing enough to really help them to do that. Yeah, because the implication there is that managers need to have the skills of developing others, 
Um, and that, yeah. that's a topic that's taken up a lot of my focus over the last couple of years, you know, helping managers uh, with those skills, because if we're all on our own developmental journey, th there is some kind of process there. There is some kind of activity that a manager is involved in. If they don't know where to start, if, if they view development as a form filling exercise once a quarter, then of course, someone like one of your users is not going to feel like their development is, is being supported. I would yeah. also say even in the best learning and training and development environments, it's still useful for a manager to have those skills of coaching people and reflecting on the, the learning and the development journey and encouraging and identifying goals. Their, their skills, very specific skills, and they're not necessarily things that every manager picks up along the way or every manager views as being equally important or they may well have maybe a slightly biased view of what's important to develop so if we're if we're making you know um suggestions let's say to our <laughs> listeners again if you're if you're responsible for learning and development in an organization or you're responsible for the development of a group of people on your team as, as their team leader or manager it could be really useful for you to have a think about your approach to development. Does it sound like, oh no, here's another chore HR have asked us to do? Or when you think about it, does it sound like this is a core activity for me as a manager? Or is it something that you actually get a lot of value and feel a lot of purpose in doing? Because many line managers do. They love being a developing coach-like manager. Yeah, and people end up as managers for all many different reasons. Some just because they've been the, the great performer, uh, mm. technical performer. Others because of rapid growth and they need to, you know, create a, a new tier of managers and work with startups where many first line managers, it's their, the first time they've done it. <clears throat> they've only a few years of work experience themselves and they've, uh, you know, they, they've never actually explored what it means to effectively lead people, to develop people, to get the best out of them. Uh, so it can be a real uh, shock to the system. And then, as you say, you've got the organizational processes that go around that, um, whether it be the, the systems or the support or the, the, the actual um, you know, high-touch uh, uh, areas of, of L&D contact that, that people can go to, uh, whatever it is. There's, there's so many uh, factors at play. But I, I, I think the, the thing I would say is, to, to add to your point to listeners from L&D is, is how long term are you looking? Um, mm. Because individuals themselves, you know, they, they, they're probably not looking to the two years that, you know, a lot of us in business are. They're, they're looking for, at their next role and the one before, uh, the one after that. Um, so to, you know, if you're rolling out a system with your organizational values and competencies uh, in there and your, your, your yearly appraisal and performance management system, chances are probably four out of five of those people who are going through your systems are actually looking further mm. <laughs> and, and not looking at your competencies. They're looking at their own competencies and they're thinking about what, what's, what's in it for me, you know? Mm. Um, that, that's what that's I a legitimate expect, question, yeah. right? You know, what is yeah. in it for me? I'm developing these areas, these skills for my employer potentially, but what am I getting out of it? And is there something else I could develop that is maybe more beneficial for me in the longer term? Yeah, we, we um, had an interesting uh, say conversation with a few users whereby we, we recognized that a lot of the things people are working on, they're probably less likely to share with their manager anyway. So these are things like managing upwards and mm -hmm. saying no to my manager and being assertive. Um, 
and uh, managing my manager effectively and all these different things. So when you, if, if you just look at that, how do you, how do you have a conversation with someone at work about these things? So the, the thing that got really interesting for us is we had a number of users saying, oh, I'd like to share some of this with my manager, as in you know, anything that they're working on, whether that be managing time or something more overtly acceptable, maybe you think in the workplace. So we were exploring how people could share things through the app, through the platform. And then we had these other users who said, no, I don't want my manager to see any of this. Mm. So we had a, you know, a dilemma and, and privacy is really important for us here. So we just ditched the idea of sharing things with your manager um, because we were, we were going to have a button that allowed you to invite people. And a lot of our users just said, no, that would make me feel like I have to invite my manager. So we just said, okay, up to you. Um, if you ever want to share it, you just sit down at a screen with them. That's up to you. But there's no button to feel that you're obliged, that you're obligated to actually say, share this with my manager. So it could well be the case that users of your system are working on a development plan in the day job that is approved by their manager and is visible to both parties and is what's acceptable. And at the same time, they may be working on other areas uh, using Wise Amigo and maybe focusing on those things with a bit more intensity or a bit more regularity because they're important to them. So they've got both the events taking place in the workplace and the ongoing process that they're focused on using Wise Amigo. Yeah. So even if they come to a point where they think, right, and this organization is, or this role is not for me, the development is ongoing. So, you know, it stays with you for life It's um, as long as you want it. it mm. It's not going to be something that ends when you leave that organization. It is owned by the individual. And then it's just up to them what they share, whether that's with a mentor, a friend, a colleague, or a manager. Mm. It's their choice. Super. I'm, I've just looked at the clock for the first time since we started talking. I think we probably need to wrap up or we're approaching one of our records for duration of recordings. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, th this is a, a massive topic, both in professional development, but also productivity within that. And one of the things that stops us is, you know, the inability or the feeling that we are unable to persist in the face of discomfort, setbacks and challenges. I think key takeaways for me that you've mentioned in our conversation that have been great are the benefits of recording this stuff, you know, getting it out of your head and having a system like, like Wise Amigo. I'm delighted to hear it's uh, via a browser now because to me, that facilitates the, the shared conversation at the desk yeah. or the longer uh, reflection or just playing to someone else's preferences for how they like they, they like to do things. Um, and, and the notion of coming back to this regularly, which in many organizations isn't really realistic uh, or, or doesn't happen at all. So, you know, this being in your pocket and you being able to focus on on these development points daily, if you would like to, but it goes with you. And I think that that's really great. Is there anything you'd like to leave listeners with in terms of a, a message, a reminder, a suggestion when it comes to their development or when it comes to working on their own productivity or, or procrastination, dare I say? Yeah, I think the one thing I'd want to leave people with is that development is something that is, is, is always happening. And just because, for example, we, we have Wise Amigo, which is an app and a platform, which is online, I would say that as much of it happens offline, and it, it's more important, the conversations you're having and the, the thoughts that you're having, the reflections that you're having, we just say, 
make it, bring it to life by writing it down uh, and keeping it in a platform such as Wise Amigo or, or anything else. Um, but, but it's not to say that your development can just be uh, happening online, if that makes sense. So it's not about just watching videos and then everything will be mm. fine. It'll be mm-hmm. great. It, it's it's probably, you know, 80% uh, happens offline, getting yourself out there and talking to people about your development, uh, finding opportunities to ch- test yourself and go outside the comfort zone. We just add the bit in between those moments, which allows you to track it uh, and allows you to to capture it so that, yeah, as I always say to people, don't get six months down the line and think, what have I done with regards to my development? Get six months down the line and open up whatever it is that you use and say, here's what I've done. Yeah. And that really mirrors the conversation I have in coaching uh, at the outset of coaching, which, which is to say magic really doesn't happen in a coaching conversation in the room with me. It, it happens when you go leave this room and try new things and realize yeah. what works for you and what you can do to improve your situation. So the, the activity that you undertake, the effort you put in, in between writing things down or talking to a coach. That's what's really meaningful. So uh, sadly, just downloading the app isn't going to have a huge impact (laughs) on your development areas. Writing this stuff down is a great step. And then doing some of that, you know, putting it into practice, experimenting a little, Mm -hmm. uh, that could be really fulfilling as well. We would hope the process becomes much more enjoyable as well, Mm -hmm. um, because it will be difficult, but Let's let's take a bit of enjoyment from it uh, across the six months. Uh, it's it's certainly not going to be like you know an advert. Buy this book and it will change your life. You know, just read it and then or read this email and everything will be great. It is going to be tough and difficult, but you can enjoy it as you go through it. Mm, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Paul. Uh, Wiseamigo.com, if people are interested in learning more about the app and visiting that online and seeing how they might benefit from it. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk to you, Paul, and I look forward to having you on a future episode. Thank you for having me on, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you as always. And yeah, I hope I can be on uh, in the future. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at WorkLifePsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.